Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. Found yourself in China's Hainan province and realized you forgot to get a visa? Not to worry, the island province is flinging open its doors to international tourists granting visa-free stays to 59 nationalities amid a push to transform itself into China's Hawaii. The new program covers passport holders from countries in Europe and the Americas, including the US, Canada, Brazil, the UK, France and Norway, as well as some Asian countries including South Korea, Japan, Singapore and Thailand. The new list applies to both tour groups and individual travelers by allowing them to stay up to 30 days on a single visit. The news comes on the heels of President Xi Jinping's announcement that Hainan would become a free trade port. Betting on horse racing could be just around the corner on the island as well, as authorities have said they plan to turn the island into a hotspot for sports tourism. Digital payments leader Alipay has embarked on an aggressive campaign to launch its service on buses making public transportation the latest battleground in its feud with internet giant Tencent. Passengers in at least 50 Chinese cities, from first-tier metropolises like Guangzhou to smaller cities like Anyang in central China's Henan province, can now use smartphone-based Alipay to pay fares on public buses. Ant Financial, an affiliate of Alibaba, said the service is set to expand to more than 100 cities next year. The move will let users call up a special QR code on their smartphones for individual cities, and the code can be passed over a scanner on buses to pay fares. Um, a tourism company associated with one of China's four mountains considered sacred by Buddhists has postponed its IPO in the wake of a controversy over commercializing the country's religious sites. The planned IPO of Putoshan Tourism, the official travel agency of Mount Putuo or Putoshan, drew criticism from religious authorities and the local government. Putoshan is on an island off the coast of Zhejiang province. In recent years, however, places like Mount Putuo have received more attention for the business opportunities they offer, with some companies using the names of well-known religious sites to sell merchandise or promote their IPOs. 
Shaolin Temple, which has grown into a sprawling commercial empire that has raked in millions of yuan by allowing films and video games to use its Shaolin trademark, had no comment on the controversy. China will further open its car market by allowing foreign automakers to take full ownership of their local joint ventures by 2022, a move that will benefit electric car producers like Tesla. The current 50% ownership cap on electric vehicle making ventures will be abolished by the end of this year, while the ceilings for all commercial and passenger vehicles will end in 2020 and 2022 respectively. China requires foreign companies to tie up with local partners to make vehicles in the country and caps their ownership at 50% in joint ventures, partly in a bid to acquire foreign technology and nurture its own car industry. Foreign companies complain that such practices force them to transfer their technology to local partners and also deprive them of control of their Chinese operations. In news from Planet Obvious, banks have likely understated their bad debt, according to one of China's four national asset management companies, which expects non-performing loans to grow as lenders come under more pressure to recognize and dispose of them. This was a rare acknowledgement from a state-owned company that the official figure for tracking bad debt in the banking system might be underestimated, a view that is widely held outside of China. China's bad debt ratio is likely higher than officially reported, according to China Orient Asset Management, a state-controlled asset management company that has published its report on the country's bad debt for the last 11 years. This round of bad loans is formed as a result of economic structural reform, weak risk controls in the financial industry, and administrative intervention, such as pressuring banks to lend to certain entities, according to the report. China's central bank said that it will cut the amount of cash that most banks are required to hold as reserves, a move to release cash into the banking system. The People's Bank of China said that it will lower the reserve requirement ratio for banks affecting most commercial and foreign banks. Rural credit cooperatives are not on the list. This is the first reserve cut announced by the central bank under its new leadership team. Quote, it indicates a changing approach of cash injection, close quote, said Lu Zhengwei, chief economist of Industrial Bank. The cut will release 200 billion U.S. of additional liquidity into the banking system. But banks are required to use the freed-up liquidity to pay back loans obtained from the central bank, and leftover funds must be used to support small and micro companies. China has, for the first time, endorsed online hospitals, an emerging concept that Chinese internet giants Alibaba and Tencent have bet on, but the endorsement comes with restrictions on the model. Under the upcoming policy, online hospitals will be allowed to operate in two ways. Well, not literally operate. First, traditional hospitals can launch a virtual platform for online consultations. Second, internet firms that already run websites that connect patients with doctors can continue to do so, but they must affiliate their site with a hospital as their offline entity. The new regulation may revitalize an industry that was highly restricted last year. Last year, the now-defunct National Health and Family Planning Commission issued two draft documents that said that online hospitals should be closed within 15 days. Authorities have released a doctor who called a well-known medicinal liquor a poison after news of his three months in detention provoked national anger. Police in Inner Mongolia confirmed that Guangdong-based doctor Tan Qingdong had been detained for 100 days on suspicion of damaging the reputation of Hongmao medicinal liquor, which is sold across the country as an over-the-counter traditional Chinese medicine. 
The rare cross-provincial arrest was initiated after complaint by the seller of the product, Inner Mongolia-based Hongmao Pharmaceutical. Hongmao Pharmaceutical approached the County Public Security Bureau to complain about a post Tan had published on Chinese social media app Meipian. Tan's post, titled China's Mystical Hongmao Medicinal Liquor, Poison from Heaven, urged the elderly not to drink the alcohol due to potential adverse effects. He also wrote that some of the 67 listed ingredients are toxins commonly found in traditional Chinese medicine, and questioned whether the liquor was really able to improve any of the conditions it claimed to treat, including coronary heart disease and irregular menstruation. News of Tan's detention was met by an immediate backlash from members of China's popular Weibo social network, and he was soon after released. Thanks, Ada. Let's turn as we do each week to some of Tyson Global's reporters and editors to talk about some of the stories in this week's news. First up is Doug Young, managing editor of Tyson Global. Doug, the theme this week is companies in trouble. Our first is about one of China's biggest telecom equipment makers and their problems with the U.S.、Uh, and the second is about a company that we've heard about on this show quite a bit.、Uh, so let's take these in order.、Uh, what's going on? Well, the first one's a story that burst sort of back into the headlines. It had been in the headlines a year ago, and、uh, now it's come back. It's a company called ZTE, which、uh, is probably not a company too many people know, but it's a it's a big maker of telecoms equipment,、uh, basically the equipment that's used in big wireless and and just telecoms networks in general. They also make smartphones, but anyhow, the the story with this company, they're 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 a pretty big company. They're they're Probably the biggest after Huawei, which is their main competitor. And the story is that about a year ago,、uh, they signed an agreement with the U.S. government because there'd been this long probe. Basically, the U.S. had accused them of illegally selling equipment that was manufactured in the U.S. to Iranian companies. And here it gets a little complicated because there was no international sanctions from the U.N. against this activity. This was a U.S.-specific ban. On selling U.S. equipment to Iran, so it was a U.S. thing, and the U.S. basically said you can't sell our equipment to Iran. So what ZTE had done is they had basically bought U.S. equipment and then sold it to Iran. That's the simplified story. So anyhow,、uh, the U.S. discovered this.、Uh, they did their investigation, and they were going to slap some pretty severe penalties on ZTE. But then a year ago, they reached an agreement, a settlement agreement, which included a, a really big fine, almost a billion dollars,、uh, but also, you know, agreements to to punish the employees responsible. So anyhow, what happens is just last week, the government decided that ZTE had violated a particular part of the agreement. Basically, it had agreed to punish the employees who were most directly involved, and they determined that they hadn't punished them. Not only had they not punished them, but they'd actually even given them bonuses. So you know this is this is typical stuff, and and so they they slapped the sanctions back on ZTE, and the sanctions were basically prohibiting ZTE from buying any components from U.S. companies for seven years. Which ZTE has put out a statement saying you know this threatens the very life of the company, and and it's maybe that's a little bit exaggeration, but it's probably not too much. So this has just been all over the headlines. Um, and it's been especially talked about because of all the trade frictions between the U.S. and China right now. So, is this connected to Trump's threats of tariffs and the looming trade war?、Um, that's a good question, and a lot of people are asking it. My take is that it's probably not, because this investigation has actually gone on for six years now.、Uh, it began about six years ago, so obviously Trump wasn't in anybody's、uh, radar screen when the when this first started. 
Uh, but that said, some people are saying, well, gee, maybe the timing of this announcement that they, you know, because they could have announced that they had broken their agreement anytime, you know, they could have announced it another two months. They probably could have announced it two months earlier, you know, so the fact that they're announcing it right in the middle of the, this, you know, heated dispute with uh, the U.S. over trade, you know, that could be deliberate, hard to say. And, and if it is deliberate, it's certainly having the intended consequence because, again, everybody is connecting all the dots where probably dots shouldn't necessarily be connected. Okay, so now on to the second story, which involves a company we've talked about a lot, but which listeners new to us might not know so well. What's the second piece you wanted to focus on? The second story is uh, Laico, which probably not too many of our Western listeners will know either, but this is a, this was a high-flying company that uh, started out as an online video company, and one of their really key things was bundling these smart TVs, basically internet-connected TVs with their service, and selling them to people for quite cheap in exchange for signing up for the service. And they got quite successful on that model, but then they expanded into all these other areas like new energy cars, sports programming, and you, you name it. They, they did a lot of other stuff. So the company sort of got crushed under all this debt and just this silly expansion. So fast forward to the present, and, and the story that's in the news this week is that basically one of its earliest units, the unit that actually made these smart TVs, is getting thrown a lifeline by a couple of China's biggest internet companies, uh, those being Tencent, uh, which is the really big WeChat operator, and then JD.com, which is another big e-commerce company. So I have to wonder why they'd be bothering. I mean, it's not like I'm a business genius, but at first blush, it doesn't look like a particularly smart move. I mean, $347 million just, I mean, it's nothing to sneeze at. A guy named Sun Hong Bing had come in from a company called Sunak and, and pumped tons of money into Laico trying to rescue them. And just a, a few weeks ago, he finally basically resigned and said he wasn't up to the challenge. It was it was just too much of a mess. Uh, all these plans he'd proposed weren't getting accepted by the regulators. So now I think what's happening is uh, they're trying to go to plan B. And this plan is actually much more targeted. It's really just targeted at one of Leico's original businesses that was actually doing quite well before they expanded and, and you know, just took on all this debt that ended up crushing them. So I think what's happening here is, you know, you're seeing the vultures circling around looking for the, the tastiest parts, you know, that they can come and take away. And then I think they'll eventually do that. And the rest of Laico, you know, all these other pieces that never were making money and are under huge debt will just get probably closed down or, or cast off and people will lose tons of money. But the actual online video and these, these internet TVs was actually doing okay. So I think that's why Tencent and JD and these others are coming in. Doug, thanks for talking to us. Hey, thanks, guys. Great to be here. Up next is Liu Xiao, reporter for Caixin Global, with a story about Ant Financial. Liu Xiao, uh, for our listeners who might not be aware, who is Ant Financial and why are they in the news this week? Yeah, so uh, Ant Financial is a fintech firm. It started out as Alipay, um, and it's currently an affiliate of Alibaba. Um, Ali has announced that it will buy a 30% stake in the company, but the transaction is uh, yet to be complete. Um, so Ant has been in the news quite a bit lately. Um, there's a lot of market rumors um, about 
a lot of large U.S. PE firms actually that are interested in investing in the company. What's been most eye-catching is its valuation.、Um, uh, so people have basically cited 150 billion dollars as、uh, what the company is worth. So this is a dramatic increase from、uh, their previous valuations. So, for example, in mid last year, when、uh, they raised a、uh, when they had a fundraising round, they were valued at 60 billion. And before that,、uh, in 2015, they were valued at 45 billion when they did a, another series of fundraising. So, from people that Tyson has spoken to,、um, they say that the historical comparison is not necessarily useful because、uh, the investors that Ant Financial is targeting is very different. So, in the previous rounds,、um, they said that they've basically given some of these investors a discount because they are trying to invest、uh, capital from state-backed and、uh, often state-owned firms. And in this round,、uh, it's very much targeted at private equity firms and overseas private equity firms. So, what do investors think about this valuation so far? Yeah. So,、um, a recent equity report that came out、uh, is from Barclays, and they basically gave Ant a valuation of 155 billion dollars.、Um, so, this is basically based on a Price-to-earnings ratio that's the same as ten cents, or what they expect to be ten cents in、uh, 2019. The two companies, of course, are major competitors here in China.、Um, they both have a payment, a third-party payment service provider.、Um, Tencent, of course, has WeChat,、um, and Ant Financial or Alibaba has、uh, the online e-commerce platforms and Alipay. Um, but of course, some analysts have been questioning that. One、uh, analyst based in Hong Kong has basically said that Barclays—they don't have people on the ground here.、Uh, are they really in a good position to judge? And of course, people are bringing in、uh, regulatory risk.、Um, so there's been obviously increased regulation in the financial sphere, and a lot of these regulations are expected to have an impact on Ant Financial's business. Liu Xiao, thanks for talking to us, and maybe we can check in with you again as the IPO approaches. Yeah, hope to talk soon. You bet. That's this week's show. Thanks for listening. Insightion Seneca Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo, with stories from the staff of Insightion Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and Tanner Brown of Insightion Global, and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out our flagship current affairs show, Seneca, now in its ninth year. And follow the news from China every day at SubChina. Sign up for a free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.